Since the invention of fire, man has spun stories of gods and monsters. From a million years in the future, heavy metal presents Wonderwork. Welcome back to the bunker. Today I'm bringing you an epic tale about destiny and an unlikely hero who had to step up when no one else would. This one comes from a time when kingdoms were at stake, an entire world was terrorized by the fear of an unknown monster, and in the end, it all came down to a girl and her sword. This is to kill a Jabadon. smooth counter of fine-grained wood gently caressed my metal sheath. The daily ascension from table to chest of my bearer never wavered in its ritual. A mirror stood before me, but as I looked upon its reflection, the figure looking back at me was not my own. A tall man, whose height was only matched by the length of his robe and topped with a magnificent leaf-shaped hat. This was no herring, no wolf in sheep's clothing, though a sheep would be quite delicious right now. This was the great king's advisor, Imidol, whose eminence was only dwarfed by the king himself. Down the steps into the morning fog, we made our way past the fields and to the castle. It was a lonely day beyond the gates. The pastures were not tended to. The farmers were not there. The animals were left unprotected, teasing me. In the great palace of Cerinthia, people from the village, from the farmlands, and from all of the nine realms all came to the castle this day. A tradition that I last observed during the harvest of the brown leaf. But as the leaves around me are green, the sight is intriguing at the least. The large stained glass windows of the hall cast colored beams of sunlight onto the center platform where the king's throne stood. A spectacle of regality suited only for a king of great strength, was now covered by an opaque veil, obscuring the silhouette of King Luminous, who sat behind it. The grim look on his face was heightened by a sharp intake of breath that could be felt even if it were not seen. We stood beside the veiled throne and gazed into its depths, through his great king's maquillage. My bearer breathed deeply and raised his hands to quiet the unsettled crowd. The king has fallen ill, deathly so. Every healer, every apothecary, every shaman from the lands beyond the nine realms have all fallen a blunder to the cause of our fearless leader's illness. 
Above me, Imidol continued to perforate the gathering with his words of truth. The people of Cerinthia grew anxious and contentious, a brouhaha of disdain for the words presented to them. He raised his hands and quieted them once more. We have but one chance, one glimmer of hope, an elixir that can save our mightiest king. It requires an exceptional element, and sadly, one that will call for a great adventure of dark despair. We must retrieve a tusk from a Jabadon. A battle it will be. They will not be so lucky this time. This is why I have summoned you all here. The greatest warriors and hunters in the realm. Who among you is brave enough to set out on this quest across the realm of Gaia, through the forgotten forest, past the desert of desire? To finally ascend the miserable mountains to seek out the magical beast and despoil it of its tusk. The room hummed with a low timber. A motionless bath of toneless sound swept through the bowels of the great hall. No one? The farmers and villagers squirmed with unease. You ask too much. The village of Castor no longer exists because of him. I hear that just to look upon this grotesque beast is certain death. He is our king. Imidol challenged. And we must do everything in our power to save him. What are we, if not without honor? We are nothing. So I ask, one final time. Who will bring great honor to their dominion and take on this challenge? In all that silence and smell of fear, a voice called out. I will. A collective shiver passed over the room. A sea of feet toggled back and forth, seeking the source of such a shrill voice. Until finally, and without bias, it found the voice and parted for the bearer. She was but a young girl. Looking at her, my loathing for these men, these cowards, was only reaffirmed. She moved past the convocation of villagers and stood before us, a fair yet determined girl whose jet black hair and fierce blue eyes announced more ferocity than her slight stature. I will. She repeated. Emmetal peered down over me to judge the would-be hero. No! The booming sound had me bounce from his chest for a moment. Not you. He's my father. But you are no princess. You were his bastard. I am his blood. The room filled with unease as my master contemplated his next words. Kana of the Wild Moon, I accept your bid. Take this with you to help you on your quest. Without consideration, my vantage point shifted downward toward the diminutive champion. As my sheath was clasped around her neck, the world felt much bigger 
scarier from down here. It is the amulet of the Seer of Seers, passed down to me by my master, a great sorcerer. Now I bestow it on you. Clarity will be your ally in this arduous yet glorious quest. The yellow eye it contains will bring you great wisdom. The steward of the king leaned forward. Excitement moved through my new companion. Bring honor to your mother's name and return with the tusk. Now go, there is no time to waste. We marched through the hall with a determined cadence, past the villages and out to her majestic steed, which graciously waited for its master's arrival. As we dueled with the evening sun's glaring aura, a voice called back to us. Save the king! Legs in stirrups and weapons strapped to her back. On we go, into the darkness, my shadow. She spurred her steed, and we began our arduous quest. Vast ridges and caverns moved like shimmers on the far horizon as we ventured to the great forgotten forest. Just as the sun began to lose its nightly battle with the moon, Connor's steed drew up from a gallop to a hustling trot. We'll camp here for the night, Shadow. came hurriedly, and even before the sun broke the dawn, we were already back atop her horse, riding swiftly and with purpose. The world around us streaked by like paint brushed across a canvas. In the distance, a dark forest crept closer. We approached, and shadows slowed as we examined what lay before us. The forest was densely packed, Tall, black trees engulfed every crevice. My naive little huntress didn't know the dangers of the forgotten forest. The mind can get lost as the body starves to death. Come on, boy. Don't tell me you're afraid. We bucked forward and marched into the thick of the airy wood. The forest secrets were illumined with every step. The leaves on the trees were evanescing. As we ventured deeper and deeper, the trees morphed into gaunt arms and fingers, reaching out for us, calling for us, yearning for us. I could feel my master lost in a thought, uncertain in her movements, perplexed as if her thoughts sailed on a ship toward an unknown horizon. Her mind, once clear and focused, now appeared to be a rippled reflection in water, interrupted 
and unraveling. Has she forgotten what she was doing here? Why we had come here? Such an untried mind for such a daunting task. Everything blurred to a halt. She studied her clothes, her saddle, her satchel, looking for something, anything to bring that ship back home. Her hands climbed over her body, feeling the textures. Perhaps her tactile senses would return some clarity. Her hands stopped as they touched my sheath. The amulet of the Seer of Seers. She gasped in relief, as though a hold on her had been released. I could feel her mind blossoming like a wilted flower reversing through time. The foggy disarray that consumed her every movement dispersed. Trees released their clutch and the forest gave way to safer passage. My little master smiled as she kicked her heels into our steed. Pia! Come on, boy! Pia! The forest had failed to claim another wanderer who would be forgotten. Connor's hands stroked the mane of a great horse as the clearing brought new air to their lungs. After a short gallop through the stunted shrubs, a sea of white sand dunes lay before us. The desert shimmered in the glowing twilight, but I knew better than to be lulled astray by this unsanctimonious void. The beaming sun showed no prejudice as it burned relentlessly in the midsummer's day. Its rays beat down on us like a ceremonial drum. There was no escaping. The huntress's once fair skin was now bright red. Her lips blistered like a snake shedding its skin. She reached into her satchel and grabbed the water skin. She raised it to her lips and then paused. Compassion was a new emotion for me. Instead of taking a gulp, my huntress extended her hand with the water skin. Shadow's head turned back to meet her hand as she emptied the last of their water onto his dry tongue. We trekked for hours, or days, the deepening desert making time meaningless. The heat climbed higher and higher, creating a visible distortion in the air. Something in the far distance made my little master uneasy. I could see it too. Shadow advanced us closer to the unknown. How much time had passed? We didn't know. Connor's face was devoid of emotion, but I sensed great internal struggle. We summited the final dune. The desert was a cruel demon. Now, Connor's compassion became her weakness, as what was left behind in those dunes would likely haunt her for an eternity. The sky resembled a backlit canopy with holes cut through it. The night had arrived yet again. The air changed as quickly as the terrain, 
sand became snow, and the once dry heat had baked them like a brick oven had now become a sharp cold of pins and needles. We gazed up at the titanic mountain, its presence portending only one thing for certain. My salvation was at hand. Connor dismounted. She ran her hands along Shadow's mane and counseled her loyal companion before taking on the next task alone. I already left one loved one behind. I won't leave two. I promise I'll come back. The climb moved like a Mobius strip. One hand reached, another foot pushed, upward and onward, reach and push over and over, until the numbing cold sent our minds drifting, fusing, as we traveled back to our memory of the desert. We were once again trekking over the white sand dunes. There was something in the distance. Connor squinted her eyes to gain focus. You see it too, boy? We drew closer, ready for whatever lay ahead. Impending doom turned to a booming sky, revealing a beautiful jungle oasis in the middle of the desert, which surrounded a boutique lake, ready to slake our thirst. Connor climbed down from her horse and plunged her dry hands into the water. It's real! Shadow seemed to care little for ceremony as he vigorously slurped. Connor followed suit, plunging us below the water's surface. A voice called out. We turned. Standing there was a middle-aged woman with a warm and comforting smile. Mother? Yes, my sweet girl. It's me. Connor jumped to her feet and clutched the woman tightly. There, there, child. Mother, I've missed you so, so much. For hours, they sat, just the two of them, talking, remembering, and loving. As dusk settled over the distant horizon, my compassionate huntress realized a sad truth. You're not really here. You see me before you. You hear my voice. You touch my skin. How then am I not really here, child? I don't know, but you died years ago when I was six. Stay here with me, and we can be together forever. I can't. I have to save Father. But why, child? He abandoned you. He abandoned us years ago. Connor looked longingly into her mother's inviting eyes. This was the thing she wanted most in the whole world, to be with her mother again. Anyone could see that. But at what cost? The king's life. No. 
She pulled away, and just as she did, the woman faded into nothingness, like the water in the lake evaporating into dry air. The cold wind slapped us out of our trance and back to the present. We had been climbing for hours. The ground was no longer visible, our steed lost in the white abyss below. I could tell she was tiring. The miserable cold persisted in testing her spirit. But she had come too far and lost so much. One more reach, one more pull, one more step and push. The young huntress finally crested the summit. She rolled over onto her back, exhausted and grateful just to be horizontal again. Finally, after all this time, we are here. The young huntress scrambled to her feet and drew the sword strapped to her back. It was dark atop the mountain. The dense blizzard made seeing moot as she moved one foot in front of the other. Her hands squeezed tightly around the hilt of her sword. Blood pulsing, excitement coursed through her being as she crept closer to the source of the strange sound and disappeared into the darkness. And then I saw it, my beautiful body, maimed by her kind. The beast stood towering above us. I was on my hind legs like a bear warning its stalker. But I am no bear. A bear would cower in the presence of a Jabadon. My dark fur had grown long and unkempt, tangled hideous in all ways. My talons, terrible like those of the ancient giant eagle. Two large tusks grew from my nostrils, bent over my mouth like a deformed mammoth. My grotesque mouth, which opened to present a row of crooked razor teeth and tarred vantablack gums. Saliva poured out like hot stew boiling over. What a welcome and beautiful sight. She raised her sword to the sky. I'm not afraid of you. Come on. She demanded, provoking an attack. But I couldn't. These last days with my young master gave me hesitation. We circled one another like two gladiators on the field of the Colosseum, each looking for the advantage. We circled for minutes. The palpitating tensions grew. I knew I must act. Poised, unperturbed, she refused to yield to the weight of the moment. Connor drew a long breath, calves flexed ready to propel her forward. But then, she saw it. My right eye, blazing yellow, and the empty void where the left one once stood. She looked down at the blazing yellow pendant hanging from her neck. 
The amulet of the Seer of Seers. In a moment of clarity, my young huntress lowered her sword. I mirrored her movements and stopped snarling. She removed the eye from the pendant and held it out before me. I approached cautiously, sniffed the eye, and then nodded my head to grant her permission. Connor pushed the eye into the empty socket. My eyelids flapped and then reopened. Clarity for the first time in decades. A smile of a thousand suns illuminated my mangled face. Connor spoke. Now I need something from you. She moved with caution toward me, extending her hand. She tapped my right tusk tenderly while motioning to her knife sheathed on her belt. I moved back, away from Connor, into the untouched velvet snow. I scraped my talons in the snow. I stopped and stepped aside. Connor approached yet again and saw the words etched in the snowy ground. Save the king. Connor smiled and looked directly at me. You've been with me the entire time. Connor delicately unfastened the serrated knife, raised it slowly to my tusk, and began sawing. <laughs> 